Amen. Let's look into the word. And I want to share a little bit on the line or along the line is what did the sacrifice of Jesus do for us? Or what did Jesus' sacrifice do for us? And we're going to look, begin by reading Isaiah chapter 53. First Peter, sorry, First Peter chapter 2 verse 24. And we'll read. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Let's also look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 1 to 6. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord executed righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. And we're gonna, I'm going to read again Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1 to 6. Who had believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He had no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Those were powerful reading from the scripture. You know, this, these are like, they explains themselves, especially we use this verse numerous times when we need healing or we want, we're praying for somebody to be healed. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And we focus on, you know, like with his stripes we are healed. Most of the time. But when we looked at the other portion or the other part of these scriptures in Isaiah chapter 53. We see in the same verse, verse 5, 
but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. He was wounded. He was bruised. He did it, and something came out of it in that we received the peace that he promised and the healing and the joy. But he did it. Why did Jesus do this? Why did he die? The scripture said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. You know, we use these words all the time, transgressions, iniquity, sin, and we, we can't differentiate what they mean sometimes, you know. Like, what's a transgression? Because he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. It says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. That's another word. In other places, it used other words like abomination and other sets of words. So what does these words transgression? You know, we transgress all the time and we don't know it. We commit iniquity and we don't know we are committing iniquity. The very same thing that Jesus was wounded for, he was bruised for. He had to go to the cross so that he can take it from us and nail it there so that he can free us and liberate us. What does transgression, what is transgression? Well, let's look at the word transgression for a moment. And the Hebrew word for it is a, it doesn't really matter, but it's simply pisha, P-E-S-H-A. And transgression is defined as the exceeding or, of due bounds or limit. And transgression is a willful violation because the standard, that is the law or principle or duty, is understood by the transgressor. You, you have received the law, you have received a command, you know what it is, but you break it, it's simply a transgression. You do it if the government states the law, or so let's look at one in particular. When we knowingly run a stop sign, tell a lie, or blatantly disregard an authority, we are in transgression that's simply as put it's a it's it's a it's like the breaking of the law but in god's sight it is a sin his he has law he has command and when we break it we are breaking god's law and command and we are transgressing he was wounded for our transgression our nature caused us to not do it god's way because of the fall and the sin, and we have transgressed. And that's what transgression is. Let's look at John 3, 4, 5, and 6, and see what it says about the same thing. John, John 3, verse 4, 5, and 6. First John, sorry. I'm looking at it and I'm wondering what am I going to say there. First John, chapter 3, verse 4, 5, and 6. Whosoever committeth sin 
transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth had not seen him, neither know him. Iniquity is more deeply rooted than transgression. Transgression is simple breaking a man's law or an ordinance. But iniquity, as I just said, is more deeply rooted. Iniquity and the Hebrew word for in iniquity are one. Let's look at Genesis 1915. Genesis 1915. Amen. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. That's, the, that's a good illustration to help tr understand what iniquity is. The angels were warning Lot to get out of here. The iniquity is too much. God's judgment came upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And the only way to escape is to flee the iniquity. Because iniquity will consume you. And he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. That which would have taken us down to hell that which he was bruised for. So you see, Jesus, it's so much of what was done on that cross. It will, it will take us our lifetime and into heaven to fully understand what Jesus has really done for us on that cross. And we see that also in Habakkuk 2.12, let's read it there also. You know, I use these scriptures because the scripture can give a better explanation of what these things really mean. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 12. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood and established a city by iniquity. Iniquity is a stench to God. It's a stench, and it's what God will cast into hell. And those who continue to live a life on, of iniquity, there is no hope. Bear with me. We are going somewhere with, with this, and we look as we go. Strong defines iniquity as perversity. Iniquity is a type of sin that is related to inner character. It is a moral uncleanness that is demonstrated and is often a very intentional twisting or defiance of God's standard. Amen? You understand that, you know, it's, it's blatantly, it's like, 
It's like, it's like the children, they came out of Israel. They knew God, but yet, they knew the Creator, but yet, they worshipped the creature. They, they saw all his works, what he did for them. He parted the Red Sea, and they went through. You know, he kept them for 40 years. He, give, he fed them. He kept them warm. He kept them in good health. But yet, they, 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 they longed for the thing back in Egypt. The iniquity did not leave them, and that generation had to die. Sin, Romans 2.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is often defined as missing the mark. But missing the mark is not a complete definition. A skilled archer can miss the mark on his target, right? And it's not a sin. He, he might still do very well by coming close. If we use the definition of missing the mark, we must be clear that the mark missed is God's mark. And his mark is perfection. That means in order to win the prize, we must hit the mark every time. We must be perfect. That is what God demands. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 48. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 48. And this is the Beatitudes. This is where Jesus was speaking to the five. He was speaking to the, the, in the, in the mountain. This is his food, first great teaching and sermon. He was, you know, fresh out of the wilderness. And this is what he said. Matthew 5, 43 to 48. Ye have heard that it had been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the, on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publican the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publican so? But ye therefore, be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. How is the Father perfect? He maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sendeth the rain on the just and the unjust. Amen. Of course, the unjust breaks the law. They commit iniquity. They commit transgression. They commit sin. They are cut off from God. So they are, not, they are not covenanted. They cannot partake of the covenant blessing. But still God give them their due until they come to the place where they can acknowledge him. He's the perfect God. 
And that's why we, we can't reach that mark. No one can become that perfect. We sin even when we try our best. Not to and every we try our best. And every sin is first and foremost a sin against God. Amen? Any sin. Because every sin is missing his mark of perfection. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And you know, that's the, that's the negative side I looked at of what the scripture shows what he had, you know, the, you see God, what God did, and what God did for us, God took care of us both back to when we begin to the very end of our being, even here at present. God took care of us. He took care of our past. That's what he did on the cross. And up to the point of the cross, he was taking care of what transpired in our lives from Adam up to this point Jesus reached he was the second Adam you know he came and he reached that place where he's making a mark you know Adam is cut off he can he took Adam no longer exists in the sense that that power the Adamic nature is broken right there on the cross and it's a, it's a cross it's like and I would say it's a crossover into the new thing, the grace that with Jesus has bought for us. And this is what we're going to look at now, this beautiful picture of what we have become because he took our past and he nailed it there on that cross. It, it's there. And that's where we got to believe him, in him and understand and leave it there and move on, you know. We got to move on because if we don't, we got to move on. Amen. Sin is the most general term used for anything that falls short of the glory of God. We sin because we are born sinners with the sin nature of Adam. Romans 5.12 Romans chapter 5 verse 12 Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so sin passed upon all men, for that all have sin. For until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Where am I heading with this? Where are we going with this? We saw from the beginning, from Adam up to the point of Jesus, up to that point and that place, you know, that's where we come in the pit here. We, us here, we were not a people before Jesus in the sense of knowing God. God were for the Israelites, for the Hebrew nation, 
the God we serve is the same God that's well, running. He, he chose the Hebrew nation as a people. He made them his people. We would have been called Gentiles. When we see the word Gentiles in the New Testament, it is like for us. It's considered like we were not of the Jewish nation. We did not know him before. We did not we were not the covenanted people that if we would follow in his ways and in his steps, we would receive the blessing. It is only because of Jesus. That's why when Jesus he went to the well and he met a woman. The woman, she said, what do you have to do with me, seeing that I am a Samaritan woman? She knew that they had nothing to do with the Hebrew nation. They were, they were a people that was excommunicated. They were like outcasts, Gentiles. But Jesus showed her that he had come to bridge the gap. In where it says you, you do not have... The worshiping in the temple is not important. That's what the Jews did. The worshiping in the hills is not important. That's what the Samaritan did. But he said, no, they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. That's the worship for today. It's not in a temple. It is not in a place. But it is from the heart. We're and I'll use this statement, where two or three are gathered together and there am I in the midst. For such a moment like this, that is why we got to draw from the word of God and believe that he is here because we have come in his name. And he will do what he says he will do. He promised from his word. The church is the center of the place in which he operates. He operates, his, he, 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 he builds a church. He built his church. He told Peter, upon this I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against this. It's the chosen people. We are, the, we are chosen. We are chosen. We were not a people before, but we are a people today. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are a people that can call upon God in the same way. There is no division. He has broken down the middle wall of partition. He has broken down that wall. He has, he has given us access. We have that free will privilege to come before him to the throne. We, have, we can cry, Abba, Father. He is. He is Abba, Father. He is our God. You see, and that's what it is. Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. We rejoice that Jesus died to pay the penalty for all our sins. And we are eternally securing him. Romans chapter 5. Right there. I'll read some more reading from verse 8. I'll read. And we'll go down. And we'll see what it has to say concerning and some of our benefits. And some of the things that the Lord has done for us when he died. When he, gave, when he died for, for us, when he gave his life for us, you know. He gave his life for us, and because of this, we can come and we can lift our hands, we can worship. 
we can come to him and we can believe that he is hearing us. He is hearing us. Why is he hearing us? Because we know he has made the way for us to come to him. We have access to him. And let's, let's read some of these verses and see what it has to say. And it starts off from verse 8. It says, let's look from verse 6. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We have been justified by his blood. We have been made righteous. We, it's like we have not sinned. When we come and we give our hearts to Jesus, we confess our sin. We repent of our sin and we turn. We turn from our wicked ways. When we, when we stop, you know, we say we are not going this way anymore and we give our lives to the Lord. He justifies us. It's like he forgives us. And the, when we confess, he forgives us. And it's like, it's like he gives us a new beginning. It's like we have not sinned. He has given us that. Why? How did he do that? How did he do that? Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We have been justified through his blood. His blood, his blood, it's not only justified, but it's somewhere it said we were sanctified by his blood. In another place it says we were cleansed by his blood. You know, that blood, it has done so much for us, you know. We, 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 he has given us life through his blood. He has given us life through his blood. The blood, we sing so much a song, the blood prevails. The blood, it washes white as snow. It is as truth as truth can. Blood washes. It is what it, it is some of the it is some of the benefits of the cross and what Jesus has done. More so his blood. It washes white as snow. It gives us access unto the holy of holies. In the time of the of the of the Hebrews, only the high priest could have gone into the Holy of Holies once for the year. And he better be holy. If he were not, he would die in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is wants to make us clean and pure and holy and justify us so that we can come in his presence and come boldly. Come boldly to the throne of grace. And the blood has done this. We have been justified by his blood. That's one aspect of the blood. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. We have made it right and we are back with God. Amen. 
that what it means. We are with God. We we can call upon His name. You know, we are not caught. We can call upon His name. We are in the land of the living. Amen. We do not. We do not have to come from dead works anymore. We have come. We have come into the new life. We have come. We have accepted Christ, and it's a new life. All things are passed away, and all things are become new. The atonement now have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, then read from Adam to Moses. I know we just read this, amen? But let's continue. Even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, but not as the offense also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, had abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense that reigned by one, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Amen. It's just one simple thought and one simple line we followed, you know. We followed what Jesus has done, you know. And we see ourselves for who we were. We knew who we were. We all knew who we were before we came to Christ. Each one of us, you know, we know we were sinners that needed a Savior. And we heard and we believed and we cried and we come to God. And he accepted us because we believe in him. And we see that Jesus, you know, he did, he did, he paid it all. It's, it's beyond our understanding of the depth, you know. Someone said he came to pay a debt we owe because we could not have paid that debt for ourselves, you know. He came and he paid it for us. Here, are, here we are this morning. Here we are this morning. We are not, we are not sinners. Yes, we miss the mark. But we confess, we repent, as the scripture says, if any man says he have not committed sin, he is a liar. And we know when we fall and we know we have to come to God. And the quicker we come to God is better for us, you know. We must not to suffer for no reason. There is a God that is able to take care. His blood is continually working to wash and to cleanse and to make us clean. Mm -hmm.